Retail Supply Chain Show, where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and of course, the data that they use to make those decisions. Um, it's our second show. We did it. We got through to episode one, and here we are, uh, episode two for myself. And for everyone who's out there and following our newsletter, uh, you probably saw yesterday, sent out the first newsletter uh, since Andrew's been gone. So hopefully you guys all got that. And in there, you know, I do provide my contact information. So if there's anything that you'd like to, to see us talk about more on the show or more in those newsletters, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me and, and let me know what topics you think that we should dive into a little bit more. But for any of our listeners who aren't a part of that newsletter, go to freightwaves.com slash POS right now and sign up for that. Those come out every Tuesday and Thursday from me. Um, and also make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you're listening to, you know, we got to make sure we plug that. So if you're listening to on Apple, Spotify, whatever you, you, uh, use to, to listen to any of our Freightways podcasts, go down there, click that button so that, you know, you are notified whenever we have new episodes out and, and we can let you know about certain events here in the future. Um, and of course, uh, before we get into our segments today, uh, of course, we have to dive into our sponsors here, which is ArcBest. And I don't know if you guys know this, but ArcBest is more than just a logistics company. Uh, whatever you do, whatever you ship, ArcBest makes it easier for you to do business. ArcBest combines reliable capacity, who doesn't need that right now, innovative technology, biggest fan of that right here, and trusted relationships to take the complexity out of your supply chain and keep your shipments moving. And that's what makes ArcBest more than logistics. And speaking of ArcBest, uh, next week, we actually have a really great webinar set up for uh, with them, starting at 2 o'clock, um, going till 3. So we won't have a new episode here. But instead, just an extra 30 minutes for you, where we'll dive into ways that they're seeing different trends uh, changing in the, in the new year, in 2022. Um, and we'll just have provide a little bit more insight of what to expect for this retail season and how those will be changing after this new year. Again, that's December 8th from two to three. Make sure that you guys all register for that. And I will have a link in, uh, for that registration in the newsletter tomorrow. Uh, so again, thank you for everyone to coming out to that. And thank you, ArcBest, for not only providing great service to your customers, but for being a huge partner here at FreightWaves as well. Um, so before we dive into our main topic, which is a little bit of a strange one, if you've seen that already, I wanted to spend some time to go over a couple of interesting articles that our team, our, our editorial team has put together this week. Uh, I thought I'd use this as a chance to spotlight uh, one of our new uh, writers. He joined us over the summer, uh, Jack Dalio, and he actually works with more modern shippers contact content. So uh, Brian Strait, who I would say <laughs> is probably the reason we're all here today at Freightways, uh, he actually works on a lot of modern shipper content that dives into a lot of the technology and, 
and different ways that our retailers are modernizing themselves and their supply chains in general. Uh, and Jack just started, like I said, over the summer, and he's got a really interesting way of writing, very detailed, um, very articulate, and uh, definitely makes you work a little bit harder, that's for sure. Uh, so I wanted to dive into a few of the different headlines that he's posted throughout this last two weeks and some articles that I think would really pertain to our, our retail enthusiast here. Um, the first one is a topic that we lightly touched on in the newsletter, which is our holiday shipping deadlines. So uh, in the articles, mark your calendars, holiday shipping deadlines that you need to know. And for everyone, if you go to FreightWaste.com, you can see that today. But he dives into the different uh, deadlines that uh, UPS, uh, U.S. Postal Service, and FedEx have put into play for this upcoming Christmas season. Um, I will say most of them are going to be coming here in the next week and a half or so. Um, FedEx in particular has got a deadline for ground freight uh, and economy, which we all know is uh, cost efficiently the best for December 9th. So make sure you guys spend this next week, this weekend, figuring out what your holiday plans are, holiday gift giving is, um, so that, of course, nothing is late and uh, Santa arrives on time for, for all of us. Um, so that was a big one. And of course, if you checked out the newsletter, you know that worst case scenario, our uh, shipped is going to be able to deliver um, gifts to you anyway. So shipped is actually a Target-owned final mile on-demand delivery service. Uh, Honestly, big fan of them. I use them. I haven't been grocery shopping in honestly probably like a year and a half because of ship. So um, they will still be available up until Christmas Eve to deliver any gifts that you have. So again, another great reason for you guys to sign up for that newsletter to get some of that extra content from us. Um, another great article that he put out too, which I was really kind of pumped when I was reading it because I actually experienced the this new wave over the weekend. Um, it's put your put on your ponchos. This new wave of e-commerce e-commerce has arrived, and basically what he dives into is this new you know I won't even call it a new trend because like all trends, it's just gone full circle for us today. Um, but it's a trend of live shopping. So. For instance, any of you guys that are Instagram users, you've probably noticed over the last two weeks or so, when you're scrolling through Instagram, uh, not only is there the Reels function, but you're also seeing the live shopping function where brands can start um, showcasing some of their different products and you can actually buy them live while watching. Now, clearly anyone that's maybe a little bit older than myself, late 30s, early uh, 40s and up, you're probably thinking, wow, this is just uh, the home shopping network, but in a different form. And yeah, uh, it, it pretty much is. Uh, but I think what's interesting is they're taking this concept of live video and, and honestly, the influencer uh, wave of e-commerce where you know influencers will sell through pictures or sell products through different posts. They're just making that live and instant for you. Um, I think, honestly, it's something Facebook has done for quite some time. Um, at least they've created an environment for it for a while, um, which clearly is why we're now seeing this on Instagram. But go into that article to learn a little bit more about different um, ways that brands are now actually starting to use these social sites to sell their products to you every day. Um, which honestly, they almost got me this weekend. So it's it's pretty interesting way of trying trying to sell products in a different form. 
Um, and then lastly is a update on Zipline. Now I've actually wrote about Zipline in the past. They are a uh, drone company. Now, what I really like about Zipline is they thought about their go-to-market strategy in a really unique way. And over the pandemic, use that time to get a lot of flying time, a lot of miles underneath their belt, um, delivering emergency goods uh, for hospitals and such across the world, more of like um, these uh, medical and health specific um, uh, deliveries uh, across the globe. The biggest thing about Zipline is they're focused on making sure that no matter where you are, um, and you know, mostly we're looking at countries outside of the U.S., that you have the ability to have something delivered to you directly, uh, which I think sometimes here in the United States, we take that for granted. There's a lot of areas across the world that don't have great infrastructure. So this is actually a huge market for them to really capture. But like I said, during the pandemic, they got millions and millions of miles under their belt. And because of that, um, compared to a lot of other drone companies, they're able to um, get uh, the flying requirements for um, the FA uh, faster than most. So if you go to his article, Zipline launches U.S. commercial deliveries with Walmart, you'll see that they're actually starting these deliveries with Walmart today, uh, which is really cool. If you look at the image, you can see in the background that they set up like this huge drone uh, site that they could take off and deliver in Arkansas within a certain radius. It's really just a test uh, in that area for them currently. But, you know, think about it soon. Your local Walmart might have this as well. And now you can start getting specific goods delivered to you from Zipline drones. So uh, a great company. They've raised a ton of money over the last couple of years. So reach, make sure you check out that article and, and learn more about what they're doing in Arkansas and that, that beta test as well. Um, but yeah, so that, that's really our focus. Uh, I'm going to try to do that once a month with our editorial team, try to see different areas that they're kind of writing on. There's a lot of great uh, writers on our team that I don't think it's spotlighted enough for their really great expertise in reporting uh, and journalism in general. So try to give you guys a little bit bigger view of, of the people that you might not see here on the front screen every single day. Um, and then now we're just going to dive into our main topic, which I'm honestly really excited about. Unfortunately, my guest uh, was going to be on here today with us to dive into robotics and AI and the deployment of that um, with us today. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it, and it sounds like he will be with us here next month. Um, but we're going to still dive into it anyways, because I really want to, like I said before, teach you guys how this uh, software and how these new technologies are actually being deployed in these warehouses. You know, we write about robotics a lot here at FreightWaves. Uh, I'm sure you guys have, have seen different stories, whether we're talking about Berkshire Gray um, or a few others. But um, warehousing is becoming a huge trend, not just investment in the actual space, right? You see a lot of companies and a lot of even investment firms that are, are starting to buy space, uh, warehouse space throughout the U.S. right now. Um, but what's happening more so that's creating this uh, lift in automation is like most industries right now, the lack of workers available. Um, and so a lot of them are starting to dive into where can we start automating these different roles within warehouses 
whether it's picking, sorting, um, moving, loading the truck, where can we start to automate those processes to one, be safer? I think that's a really big deal that's lightly touched on. Two, um, make the job more enjoyable for employees, right? Um, and then three, just help us make sure that these goods are getting into the warehouses, into our location, or to shelves in a, in a timely manner. Uh, a lot of this automation, too, is going to help with inventory over time, which uh, if you can control your inventory a little bit more, you're going to be able to uh, maintain your profits as well. So uh, there's a lot of areas that this automation is taking place, but today we're going to focus on more of the picking, uh, forklift automations, what, what we like to call um, AMRs, so autonomous mobile robots. And this is actually a huge industry that's expected to grow uh, up to $30 billion by 2026. It's sitting around a little less than $16 billion uh, this year. Uh, but the, a couple of the companies that you've probably seen us write about before, Berkshire Gray, uh, which is a new one that's gone IPO as well. Um, they build a lot of these different technologies, whether it's uh, the software behind the automation, which we'll get into in a, in a second, or just the actual uh, AM, AMRs in general. Then you have a big one that I've actually wrote about in the past a lot, Locus Robotics. Um, they actually acquired Waypoint Robotics earlier uh, this year as well. and um, I think this year alone, they have about $200 million in investment. Um, they've gotten some really great deals uh, going with DHL. Um, they're supposed to have 2,000 Locust Robotics uh, AMRs in their locations by 2022. Stored, uh, which is a, a great warehouse automation company out of Atlanta, uh, has actually been working with Locust uh, recently as well. And then another one you've probably seen that's actually been acquired recently is Fetch Robotics, right? Um, uh, they actually not only do make the AMRs, but they do a lot of the cloud software behind it as well. Uh, Fetch Core is their cloud software package. Um, and really what that does is it integrates a lot of these warehouse management systems into one uh, easy workflow. And that point right there is something that we're going to touch on deeper in a second. Um, another uh, really great robotics company is Seagrid Robotics. Um, they're more into the warehouse management, so the AMRs that are picking and sorting. And then another uh, uh, more smaller one that I think gets talked about a little bit less is Fort Robotics, which manages more of the safety and risk uh, when using robotics inside a warehouse. So let's say you have a warehouse that's mostly the workforce is, I could say, throwing numbers out there, 80% robot, 20% human cap, human capital is working. Fort Robotics helps manage the safety of that 20%, making sure that, you know, if, if systems need to be shut down for emergency purposes, that the, you know, the robots aren't going to take over and there's someone there to kind of stop them. So, um, imagine this world, right? You've got these different robotics companies that you're working with. You're, you own a warehouse and you say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use Locust Robotics for a lot of my overall warehouse management. I'm going to, I really would like to have Fort in there as well in order to, you know, maintain the safety and risk within my warehouse too. You know, combining those different robotics companies is actually incredibly hard to do um, and takes hours and hours 
weeks, months, up to a year of integration in order to in order to make sure that this AI technology isn't fighting each other. Um, and you guys have watched uh, Silicon Valley in the past. It's kind of like the episode where um, they have the two AI robots talking to each other. And what happens? They get so into um, optimizing their own needs and their own necessity, they end up actually getting nothing done and destroying each other in the end. That's kind of the problem that we're seeing now is as companies build this, this different automation, this different technology, uh, they're really struggling to get them to, to work together and to integrate so that it can be deployed. And so this is where I actually was able to talk with um, SVT Robotics, their co-founder and CEO, AK uh, Schultz, and he really introduced this, this problem to me. So SVT Robotics is actually focused on the complexity of how this technology and how robotics is deployed in warehouses. And uh, I was talking to him because they actually just got a $25 million raise uh, Series A with Tired Global and Prologis uh, Ventures. And what it's for is this uh, atmosphere called like multi-robot orchestration. For all the buzzwords out there, add that one to your list. It's an emerging market that's only really touched one to 5% of its total target market. And what it's going to do is it's actually going to help companies create a heterogeneous fleet of robots, different vendors that are going to perform different tasks. But the problem is, is that uh, there's no way to do that right now. And that's the problem they're solving. And this is where I want to kind of give you a quick lesson on how important this invention could be. So a lot of us know USB ports, right? You see this right here. If I was to bring out a computer, <clears throat> all of this right here, these USB ports that we're all so used to didn't always exist. And for the longest, it was really hard to get computers um, deployed in, in regular households or businesses because each computer had its own core. And so what happened was someone invented the USB port, uh, universal serial bus is what it stands for. And when they're able to actually invent this, this is when computers started to operate together easily. A consumer could buy any mouse, any screen, knowing that uh, they're going to be able to connect that to their computer, to their modem without any problems. And before that existed, they were having an incredibly hard time to just sell computers, even though they were promising such a great lifestyle. Uh, it's the same thing we see in robotics today, right? Like robotics and automation, they are going to help us um, automate and improve the overall warehousing capabilities. But if they aren't able to work together and they aren't able to um, standardize the way that they are going to be connected, it's going to be almost impossible to get the cost down to deploy this in, in warehouses across across the, the globe. This is why you see more uh, larger firms investing it and less on the, the smaller warehousing firms. So um, this is the USB uh, of robotics is what SVT is trying to do. They're trying to create the software that would basically make it instant and easy for integrators to connect something like fetch robotics into a system that's already using Berkshire Gray without having to rely on the technologies reprogramming or making it easier for them to work together. And think about it. I mean, this alone eventually ended up killing CDs, floppy disks, all of these different ways that we had to adapt as, what, middle schoolers and high schoolers. 
in order to communicate and use our computers to the best of their abilities. So what's really interesting is I think a lot of times people don't realize the um, the impact that something that you can't really see or think about on a day-to-day basis can have on automating or making the companies and retailers that you love um, more efficient. And this is just another area that I, I think we're going to see a huge market increase. Like I said, it is a new market, this multi-robotics orchestration. And right now it's only one, at the most 5% um, uh, completely obtained. So uh, over time, uh, we it sounds like they're, they're going to be able to integrate. I know that they're already working with Berkshire Gray. Uh, SVT is working with Fetch. They're working with a couple of really large robotics companies now. But now that they have this new raise, they're hoping to start working with more integrators um, and more of these like companies that come together and help actually bring these technologies together so that we can start automating all aspects of the warehouse and get this stuff to you guys sooner. Uh, right now, I don't know if you guys realize this, but the robotics market is growing at a 20 26% rate year over year. But that's only because we don't have the ability to integrate fast enough. And right now, there's probably about 10,000 to 15,000 integrators that provide that type of help. But there's no way to keep up with the demand that's needed. I believe about 70% of most small, uh, medium-sized businesses are looking to deploy at least one type of robotics in their warehouse. Um, they're not going to be able to do that until we start getting this type of technology more available to them. Um, and really, the only thing that would limit SVT from, from becoming the USB of robotics is something we're seeing is more of like this robotics as a service. Um, but at the end of the day, just like when this came out, uh, Apple, for instance, was a, a big uh, uh, pushback on it because clearly they understood their power would change. But actually, Apple ended up being one of the first companies to use a USB within their uh, computers. I believe it was like 1996. So um, I'm really excited to see how SVT continues to grow, how they work with different companies and what companies they bring on so that we can just automate the warehouse in general and make it easier for a lot of us to just get our goods and get them good, our goods at a, a decent price. You know, we see prices increase over time. It's because this technology is expensive. Uh, and this is what's going to help make that investment a lot more easier uh, for companies to expose themselves to and, and develop over time. Uh, and that is pretty much all we have for, for this episode. Um, I do want to say that if there's any cool technology that your company is working on, if there's any retail um, topics that we haven't touched on that you guys would be interested in hearing more on, like I said, make sure you're reaching out to me and, and let me know what you'd like to hear more about. If there is uh, any guests, you know, that are interested in coming on, feel free to reach out to me as well. Um, my information is on our newsletter. So everyone make sure you go to freightways.com slash POS um, and fill out that newsletter registration so that you get that from us uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And overall, uh, just thank you everyone for, for listening today. I hope you learned a little something, if not about the USB, about how warehouses are beginning to automate. And uh, looking forward to bringing you more content like this and, and diving deep into the technologies that are getting your products from point A to point B. 
Uh, everyone have a great rest of your uh, Wednesday and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you.